and the ushers will get one to you. And turn with us to Mark, the 11th chapter. Then we'll be going to 2 Timothy, the first chapter. Can you take some more teaching and preaching and stories and... Huh? All right. The night is young. <clears throat> we really need to make some adjustments, you know, as a, as a society, as a generation. There's all kind of folks. They just think it'd be terrible to spend two hours or three in church, you know. But they'll sit in front of a TV for six hours straight and not think a thing in the world about it. And priorities need to be adjusted, don't they? Uh, you know, one way that you show respect for the Lord is by putting uh, the works of the Lord first. You know, getting up, going to church, making an effort, and showing respect and paying attention, and, right? Folks that don't do this are kidding themselves about uh, putting the Lord first. Uh, you know, Hebrews, we'll be looking at in just a minute, but the passage, uh, the 10th chapter talked about, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. I've had people tell me, you know, they, I didn't say a word. They just knew that I was a pastor and I was a preacher, and, and uh, uh, I wasn't trying to put them on the spot. I just asked them where they went to church, and it turned into an ordeal because they didn't go to church. And they said, well, you know, I don't really... I don't really go to an official, organized church. I, I feel close to God in nature. I, I, I like being in my backyard, you know. Or what they really mean is in my bed on Sunday morning. And that's, it's great that you can commune with God in the woods or on the lake. But why you got to do it exactly the same time church is going on? Why can't you do it that afternoon? Or the day before, or it's an excuse, and it's just people making excuses. And you you need to find a place. The Bible, that same passage, talked about uh, provoking one another to good works. We're to come together, rub shoulders together, encourage each other, hear each other's good reports, right? Join faith with each other. We're all supposed to be doing better and better. And that's supposed to inspire one another. And you're supposed to say, hey, if Joe can believe for that, I know I can too. Right? I mean, if they got to do that for them, I know he'd do that for me. Right? And we, should, we get encouraged. And we need that. If you, if you stay isolated, you get to imagining you know a lot more than you do. Because you're not comparing it with anything. You get to imagining you're doing a lot better than you are. Because there's nothing to measure it by. You, you are your own standard. <laughs> but if you rub shoulders with the people that's actually hungry for God and, and moving, hmm, it'll wake you up and you'll go, huh, I better get with it here. <laughs> I'm not doing so good as I thought I was. <laughs> there's more available. Thank you for those three grunts and <laughs> uh-huh. It's okay. Mark 11, 
Mark 11 and verse 22, Jesus, talking about faith, made this great statement. Mark 11, 22, he said, Have faith in God. Should we have faith? Jesus told us to. In what? Well, it's actually in who? Right? We should have faith in God. Say that phrase out loud. Have faith, have faith. In, God. in God. Again, have faith in God. One more time. Have faith in God. Now, that sounds very simple, but a lot of folk have gotten off track with their faith. They have faith in other things than God. Look in 2 Timothy. The Spirit of God through Paul says it like this. 2 Timothy <coughs> and the first chapter. He said, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. Is he talking about he's got faith in God? He didn't just say, I know what I believe. I know whom I have believed. And am persuaded that he, his faith is not just in a what, his faith is in he. That he is able he doesn't just think. He's not just wondering about it. He's persuaded. He has faith that God is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. Now, this word committed, we're going to talk about some tonight. It's a faith word. It goes with our other words, as we'll see. But he, he didn't just say, I, I have faith. In my faith, I have faith in faith principles. I have faith in this. No, he has faith in God, the person. Now, we've talked about this some, but we need to keep going over it. Go to Hebrews 11. Let's look at the definition again and, and talk about that again. Hebrews 11, the great faith chapter Verse 1 defines faith. A lot of you know it. What does it say? Now faith is the what? Substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Other translations bring it out like this, <clears throat> that faith is the confidence Several translations will use that word instead of substance. Now, I know a lot of people have talked a lot about the substance side of it. And when we hear the word substance, we think stuff, substance. But really, look up the words for yourself. Don't take my word for it. And you'll see that one of the best words you could use here is the word confidence. It, the word means that which stands under. It describes the idea of foundation. And we, we spent some time, if you weren't here 
and you haven't heard along these things lines, it would behoove you to get the materials. You can go back and in the Word Supply and pick them up for free. You can download it for free on the Internet. We talked about hope one whole night. And it's not, how many think it's worth listening to and talking about? Oh, it's huge. It's it's one of the greatest things that have helped me personally in my faith faith walk with the Lord is understanding what this word hope means. And it doesn't mean uh, so many times what it, the way it's used in modern usage and vernacular. When somebody says, I sure hope so, they're not meaning anything like what this word means in the scripture. When people say nowadays, I hope so, they're basically talking about a wish or a desire. I want it to be that way. I hope it'll be. What does it mean? I'm wishing it would be. I want it to be. That's got nothing to do with this. This word is also translated expect. And there's no wishing in it. Are y'all with me? You're wishing for something that might be possible. There's, there's the if in it. And as such, there is not the confidence. This next part says faith is the substance or the confidence of things hoped for or expected. You could say it like this. Faith is the confidence of what you expect. It is also the evidence. Now, another word for this word evidence is the word conviction. You'll find that's an accurate word to describe the Greek word. Conviction or evidence of things not seen. Let me give you the example. How many believe you have faith that heaven is real? Hmm? God is there. But you hadn't been there. You hadn't seen it with your eyes. But are you convinced it's there? That's faith. So your faith is evidence to you. You're convinced. So get these words. Now I'm giving you three words that describe faith. And this is, this is not just a passing thought here. Now this, this is solid. One is confidence. The other is conviction. And the third one you just read, commitment. What is faith? Faith in God is confidence in God. Right? What is faith? Faith is conviction of what He has said. Even though you hadn't seen it, you hadn't felt it, you're convinced it's there. Right? You're confident of what you expect. You're convinced of what you don't see and feel. And you're committed. I said you're committed to what you believe. Somebody say confidence. Confidence. Conviction. Conviction. Commitment. You might say it like this, confidence in, conviction of, 
and commitment to. You have confidence in, you're convinced of, and you're committed to. Say it out loud. Confidence in. Confidence in. Conviction of. Conviction of. Or you could say convinced of. And what else? Committed to. Faith is confidence. Faith is conviction. And faith is commitment. Think about the word faithful. Does faithful describe a committed individual? Yeah. Somebody's not committed, he's not going to be faithful. Read this verse again there in, in uh, 2 Timothy. Just put it up on the screen. You can stay in Hebrews if you want to, but 2 Timothy 1 that we've already read, 2 Timothy 1.12. He said, I know whom I have believed. Is he confident about it? And am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have what? That I've committed to him against that day. <clears throat> Back up, you're, you're there in the book of, of Hebrews. He said faith is the substance or the confidence of things expected, the evidence or conviction of things not seen. But you'll see that he was talking about faith earlier in this chapter, in this book, I should say, in this book. Go back to the third chapter, Hebrews 3. Y'all believe in God with me tonight? Yes. Utterance is greatly affected by the hearer now. Don't, don't forget that. Too many people lose focus. You'll see your preacher lose momentum. <laughs> it's just the way it works. Uh, Hebrews 3, are you there? And verse 6. But is Christ as a son over his own house, the Bible said, whose house are we if, if we do what? If we hold fast the what? Is this a faith description going on here? We hold fast the confidence and what? Rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Is he talking about faith in this verse? Obviously. Obviously. Somebody say, hold fast. Hold fast. The, confidence. the confidence. And then what, what is hope? Expectation. It's expectation. You could say, one translation, assume one definition, I believe it's vines, is confident, favorable expectation. Actually, the Greek sometimes is translated in the English, earnest expectation. And this is when you are, we might say chomping at the bit. Man, you are, you are leaning, reaching, expecting. It's going to happen any time. It's, it, it, it's happening. We, we're confident. Well, what if it don't happen? No, no, what if it don't? We're expecting it. Right? We said you got to hold fast. To that kind of confidence, why would he tell you to hold fast? Because things don't always happen overnight or in a day or in a week. And things can look like they're not going to happen. And they can feel like they're not going to happen. And it, look like, it can look like you're getting further from it 
than you were yesterday or last year. And you can cast your confidence away, can't you? But if you're going to get the answer, if you're going to see the results, you've got to hold fast. (laughs) The title of our message tonight is Faith That Holds On. No, faith that won't let go. Similar. (laughs) Which one is it? Faith that won't let go. Well, faith that won't let go is faith that holds on. (laughs) Somebody say, hold on. on. Not not just hold on, but what? Hold fast. What does fast mean? Locked. Clenched, right? Do you have to be like that if you're going to get results? Why would you have to tell somebody, hold on, hold fast, don't give up, don't don't cast your confidence away? Why would you have to tell somebody that? Because something is wearing on them, right? Something is working to fatigue them. And make them weary. Something is working on them to cause them to become discouraged. Right? And say, what's the point? Why keep doing this? How long is it going to take? And, and the enemy, he, he, he doesn't just show up at your door in a red suit with a tail and a pitchfork. <laughs> and say, hi, I'm the devil. I've come to tempt you and bother you. No, no. He preferred that you didn't believe there was a devil at all. And what he does is bring thoughts. And he brings feelings. He brings imaginations, scenarios. Right? And they're always of destruction and failure and defeat and loss. Always. Always trying to wear you down and paint a picture of futility. This is going nowhere. There is no point. What are you doing? This is not true. He's the accuser of the brethren. And even when you're hearing and seeing wonderful testimonies, he'll accuse them and say, oh, that didn't really happen. They just made that up probably. And they're this and that. It probably happened this way, and they're just trying to make out like you that. He's always trying to discredit and undermine. Why? Because if you're believing, well, hey, if God did it for them, he'll do it for me, then he tries to get you to say God didn't do it for them. He tries to undermine it some way. And it's all designed to get you to turn loose. Y'all going to stay with me on this tonight? I, I'm not done at all. I'm, I'm just getting warmed up. Can, can, you, can you take some more now? We, huh? Faith is confidence. Faith is conviction. And faith is commitment. It's commitment. Mm. (laughs) You got any witness about that? Faith is commitment. 
commitment. Paul said, I know whom I've believed. Is he confident? Is he, he persuaded? I know, and I am persuaded that he is able to what? To keep that which I have committed. When you get in faith, you commit something to him. As you sit right, how many believe in Jesus? You know you've been born again. You, you know your name's in the Lamb's book of life. How many absolutely convinced you're not going to hell? Hmm? Then you have committed the eternal well-being of your spirit to him. You are relying. Have you, how many say you've entrusted the, the, whether you're saved or lost, you have entrusted that to Him and you're counting on it. Are you committed? Well, what else are you counting on? To miss hell and go there. Then you are committed to faith in Jesus for you to be saved and for you to make heaven. There's a com- is there a commitment there in your life? What else would you be counting on? I mean, when you die, you die. <laughs> right? And outside of some special miracle, you don't ain't coming back, you know? And so what happens then? Well, I, I'm not losing any sleep about it. Because I have entrusted <laughs> the eternal welfare of myself, my spirit. I have committed that to him and I'm persuaded that I'm going to be more than fine how about you are you hmm? well we can do that same thing with lesser things in this life we can commit other things to him and trust him and have faith in him I want you to go with me to uh <clears throat> First Peter, I guess it is. I'm moving too quick. You still in Hebrews or you lost that? We weren't through with Hebrews. You know, Peter's on the way, so just go back to Hebrews 3. Actually, Hebrews 4. He said, hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of hope. The what of hope? The rejoicing. You know, you've heard us say it. You might have thought I just made that up. You know what happens when you really get in faith? You get excited. I didn't make that up. Huh? When you are really expecting because you're confident, you rejoice. The rejoicing of hope. Right? And you got to hold on to that and hold fast to that. How far? To the end. All the way. Look at the fourth chapter, the fourth chapter and the 14th verse. Full 14, he says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, what are we to do? What's our part? Let us hold fast our profession. That word, same word translated confession. Confession of what? Faith. Hey, do you have to hold on to it? Yes, you do. 
And finally, you know, leading up to the 11th chapter is the 10th chapter. Look at that one. Chapter 10 and 23. 10, 23. What did he say? Let us hold fast the profession or confession of our faith without wavering. Somebody say, hold on, hold on. Hold fast. Don't turn loose. He said, for he is faithful that promised. Can you count on him? And then in verse 35. Verse 35. See, all this is leading up to the 11th chapter. Verse 35, what did he say? Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Will it pay off when you hold on and don't turn loose and don't quit? Will it pay off big time? For you have need of patience. Another word for this word patience is the word endurance. Endurance. That after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. The just shall live by faith. And verse chapter 11, it flows right into it. Now faith is, then he gives us example after example of what faith is. Hallelujah. Now in this 11th chapter, one of the things I wanted us to touch on down towards the end of the chapter Paul gives us the Spirit of God through him, example after example of faith. And then verse 32, he says this, Hebrews eleven thirty-two. What shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets. Are there a lot more faith stories than the ones he's mentioned? Yeah. He said, I hadn't got time to go into all of them. But I'm going to know what they did that pleased God. They did it by faith. And the way they got their miracles, the way they got their deliverances, it was all by faith. Verse 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of light. Let's stop right here. What did they do? Through faith, they subdued kingdoms. How did they work right righteousness? Through faith or by faith. Have you read the previous verses? Most of them start out with by faith. By faith, they obtained promises. Wonder how you'd obtain promises today? By faith. By faith, they stopped the mouths of lions. Remember anybody that, that had that happen? Daniel? Huh? How did the mouths of the lions get stopped? Somebody had faith. Daniel had faith. Didn't he? What does that mean? He believed God would protect him from those lions. Well, what if it wasn't the will of God? I <laughs> see people laugh when you see that, but he could not consider that. Or he could not have been in faith. He had to have been persuaded. It was the will of God 
for him to be protected or he couldn't have had faith. That's why that if it be thy will and you just never know is destroying Christians' faith all over the globe. People don't realize how dangerous it is. The Bible said don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. That's why he gave us this book. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. That's why he gave us the fivefold ministry gifts. That's why he's given us all the Why? So we could find out and know what the will of God is. So we could stand up and lay hold of it. And in the midst of all kind of controversy and contradiction, not turn loose. And nobody be able to tell us it's not the will of God. We, most Christians know that about a few things, but they've not learned to apply it to other things. I mean, most Christians that really, you know, people that are really born again, no way are you going to convince them it might not be the will of God for them to be saved. It might not be the will of God for you to go to heaven. They'll look at you like you're crazy. They'll say, what? They are not even open. But if you say that about healing, well, yeah, we just never know. That's why they can't have faith for healing. Did you hear me? If they were as persuaded it was God's will for them to be healed as they were to go to heaven, they could have faith to be healed. But all these things that question and put an if in your mind prevent you from having faith. You're not going to be committed. That's good English, ain't it? You're not going to be committed. If you're questioning whether it's his will or not. All the millions that are not convinced it's God's will for them to prosper. Impossible for them to have faith for it. And they think them not having it year after year is confirmation that it's not the will of God for them to have it. But it's them not being convinced that it is that prevents them from having faith for him to do it. Through faith, they subdued kingdoms. By faith, they worked righteousness. By faith, they obtained promises. By faith, they stopped the mouths of lions. By faith, they quenched the violence of fire. By faith, they escaped the edge of the sword. I think he's going to preaching, don't you? By, by faith, out of weakness, they were made strong. Through faith, they waxed valiant in fight and turned to flight the armies of the aliens. By faith, women received their dead raised to life again. By faith. Now, I want to touch on that one right there. By faith, women received their dead to life again. Go with me to 2 Kings. Let's look at an an example of this, probably what he had in mind. Second Kings, the fourth chapter. Tell me what faith is, the three, three C's. What's faith? Confidence in, convinced of, committed to. And our faith is in who? In God. In Second Kings, the fourth chapter. <clears throat> Second Kings, chapter 4. 
I hadn't forgot about Peter. Second <laughs> Kings 4, verse 1. Let's see, let me, for time's sake, let me skip down a little bit here. Verse 8. It fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. So it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in there to eat bread. He stopped again. And then he got, every time he went, went through the town, he went to her house. And she said to her husband, Behold, now I perceive this is a holy man of God, which passes by us continually. Let us make a little chamber. That's a a bedroom in addition to the house. I pray thee on the wall. And let's set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he comes to us that he'll turn in there. You know, this is the way the love of God operates, isn't it? When you, if you have a lot of respect for God and, and you love God and you love His people and you see His people trying to do His work, you want to help them. You want to make it easier for them, or, right? And that, that's what her heart was. And what you see here is when you do things like that, God gets interested in you and what you desire. Hmm? You know, the Bible said concerning the centurion. You remember that angel was sent from, from heaven to him, and he saw him, and the angel said, uh, Cornelius, your prayers and your alms you're giving to the poor has come up before God for a memorial. What does that mean? He sent this angel to his house because what this man is doing has pleased him. And he's interested in doing something for him and his family. And of all the people in the whole wide world that he could have sent Peter to his house and preached the gospel, sent it to this soldier's house. When you believe God and you please him, it may not look like things happen and they may not happen in the first month or year or two or three. But I'm telling you, you keep obeying God and pleasing Him, you will come up before His face. Are you listening? And he'll, and you'll see exactly what happened with this woman right here. She did all this. They built onto the house. I mean, no, it costs money to build onto the house then just like it does now. Everything's relative. What if she hadn't believed in prosperity? And they didn't have enough money to hardly feed themselves. Would they have been inviting traveling preachers or building onto the house? Can you see why you are believing for houses and buildings and lands and all your stuff to be paid off and free so when the Lord tells you and directs you to do something, you can do it? You're not bound up. You're not where you can't. You're where you can Sometimes people will say scoffingly, what do I need that for? Well, you'll never find out. There's been so many things in our life that until we had the ability, we never knew what we could do. But as soon as we got the ability, the Lord began to show us, do that, do that. Well, there's no need in Him telling you before you could do it. (laughs) So believe God for the ability, and then you'll find out. 
wine. And so he came in there. This had happened. He, he came, stayed in his room, that they, his bedroom that they had built for him. He called Gehazi, his servant, he, and he said, call that Shunammite, call that woman in here. And he said, now, look, you have been careful for us with all this care. You've taken such good care of us. What is to be done for you? You want me to speak to the king for you or the captain of the host? She said, no, I, I dwell among my own people. I'm happy where I am. Was she doing this to try to get something out of him? Obvious that she wasn't. Even when he asked her, she said, I don't need anything. No. And then he said, what's to be done for her? I guess she's already gone. They had talked to her, and she's gone. I guess fixing supper. (laughs) Now, why did the man of God call her in there? Because the Lord's put her on his heart. Why? Because God's got her on his mind. This man is his representative. He's just speaking on his behalf. So he, he said to Gehazi, I said, you know, they don't have any children. Her husband is old. He had picked up them being around there, that, and so he knew that was it. He said, call her. And he called her, and she stood in the door. I don't know if she had her apron on, flower on her hands. I don't know. But she's standing there. He said, about this season... According to the time of life, you will embrace a son. She said, no, no, my Lord. Man of God, don't lie to your handmaid. (laughs) Well, we know she's got a lot of respect for him. Why would she say this? Because this is too close to home for her. Can you see this? This is something she has desired and craved and prayed for and didn't know what to do. And, and probably given up on it, almost, or, or did. And don't, in other words, she's saying, don't play with me now about this. Don't, don't even bring that up. But he wasn't just talking. The woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said to her, according to the time of life. Does it pay to honor God? What did the Lord say? You honor me. And what? I'll honor you. And she honored the Lord by doing these things for Elisha. And uh, when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said to his father, my head, my head. And he said to the lad, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and, and died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. <clears throat> In that bedroom that she built for him, he wasn't there. But she put her dead child on the man of God's bed and went out. She called to her husband. She said, send me, I pray you, one of the young men and one of the asses, the donkeys, that I may run to the man of God and then come back. He said, "Uh, why will you go to him today? It's not new moon. It's not Sabbath. And she said, it shall be well, King James says, actually, uh, uh, you could say it like this, all's well. All's fine. Everything will be fine. The Hebrews, peace. Everything, you know, you have to translate it to the way we talk today. Why, why are you going? What you need to go right now for? 
She said, everything's fine. All, all's fine or all will be fine. Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, drive and go forward and slack not your riding for me except I bid you. Put the pedal down on this donkey. <laughs> Don't mind me. You see me bouncing around. Unless I say stop, you keep her, keep her mad at So they drove that donkey hard. She went and came to the man of God to Mount Carmel, and it came to pass when the man, God, man of God saw her afar off that he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder is the Shunammite. Run now, I pray you, to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? We might say today, Is everything okay? Everything, you know, why is she there? Is everything all right? And when he came to her, she, she, I don't think she even slowed the donkey down. She said, yeah, everything's fine. Everything, keep going. And ran right by him and came to the man of God to the hill and she caught him by the feet. She laid hold. <laughs> Somebody say lay hold. She laid hold in such a way that Gehazi startled him. And he comes to try to peel her off. I think he'd have had a time. And the man of God said, no, uh, uh, leave her alone. Her soul is vexed within her. And the Lord has hid it from me and has not told me. Was Elisha a real man of God? <coughs> Was he a real prophet? Did he know everything? No. He only knew what the Lord showed him. And if the Lord didn't tell him, he didn't know any more than you or me or anybody else in the same situation. So that's what he's saying. He, something's wrong here. He can tell that. But he said, the Lord has hid it from me. He hadn't shown me. So he didn't know. And uh, then she said, did I desire a son of, of my Lord? Did I ask you for a child? Didn't I tell you? Don't play with me about this. Don't deceive me. And then he got it. He knew. Uh, I suppose by revelation. That's all she had to say. And he told Gehazi, gird up your loins, take my staff in your hand, and go your way. If you meet any man, don't even say hi. If somebody speaks to you, don't answer them. Go quick, lay my staff on the face of the child. So he took off. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. Faith is what? Faith is confidence. Faith is what? Conviction. What else is faith? Faith is commitment. Now, she wasn't born again like we are. She didn't have the Holy Spirit in her like we do. She didn't have, I started to say she didn't know. She actually didn't have access to the throne room of God by Jesus like we do. Hadn't happened. This is as close as she knew to laying hold on God. She knew God talked to this man. She knew that was real. And this is as close as she could do and all she knew to do. But how many understand if she hadn't have believed it would have made a difference, she wouldn't have done this. Is she convinced of something? Is she persuaded of something? And can you see the commitment in her? 
I mean, she drives that donkey. That donkey's still panting out there in the yard. <laughs> she drove him hard. And she, when she got there, she has laid hold on him. And he thinks he's got a new pair of boots. Because she, she is there. Why? This is, this is all she knows to do to lay hold. But isn't it a beautiful picture of faith? We're not just trying to hook it together. Uh, the Spirit of God said in Hebrews 11, women receive their dead, raised to life again. We got it right here. And how did it happen? By faith. Where do we see her faith? What was so many mothers been doing? Crying their eyes out at home. Wanting somebody to come see them and comfort them. How many understand when you're in a crisis of life, you need to watch who you talk to and who you tell? Because most people, this is just the facts, most people are going to respond in fear and unbelief. Most people, even a lot of church-going people, aren't they? And so you don't need to tell them. Because if it's taking everything you got to keep yourself together, you don't need all them breaking down and wailing and hollering and carrying on and talking fear and unbelief. That's why she said, everything's fine. Everything. Well, if she's obeying God and believing it's going to happen, everything is fine. She's not freaking out. She's not casting her confidence. Everything really is fine. Everything's fine. What? I'm on this. Hit that donkey again. <laughs> they tore up the road. They got down there. And even though he sent his servant, she said, uh-uh. I'm with you till this thing is through. Can you see any commitment in this, friends? So he, he said, well, all right, let's go. And so uh, she said, as, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. Somebody say commitment, commitment. And he rose and followed her. And Gehazi passed on before him and laid the staff on the face of the child. But there was no voice. There was no hearing. Wherefore, he went again to meet her and said, The child's not awakened. How many know her faith was not in that, was it? That's why she didn't think it was okay. She, her faith was somewhere else. She knew God had used this man. When Elisha was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead, laid on his bed. He went in therefore and shut the door upon him, them too, and prayed unto the Lord. Again, he didn't need any outside interference, not from anybody. And he went up and laid upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands. Now let's just stop right here. This is a long time before what we're reading about and studying about on Sunday in John, but why in the world would he have done that? He saw it. He's a prophet. He's a seer. He sees things. Why did he do that? I don't think he's ever seen anybody else do that. Why would he do that? Instead of just hollering, be raised up, or hitting him with his staff, or, you know, why, why do that? He must have seen it. He saw himself do it. So he did. And he stretched himself upon the child. And the flesh of the child waxed warm. That means it had been cold, dead. Then he returned and walked in the house to 
and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed. How many understand? They must be breathing then. If there's any exhaling, he was warming up. Now he's sneezing and breathing. And the child opened his eyes. Glory to God. Is he raised from the dead? And now tell me what Hebrews 11 said, how this happened. Help me out. How? By faith. My, my. He called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite. He called her. When she was coming to him, he said, take your son. She went in and fell at his feet, bowed herself to the ground, took up her son, said, crank up the donkey. (laughs) Somebody say faith. faith. And this faith is shown in this commitment. You'll see this in the New Testament. Go on over to Matthew while we're talking about this. In the ministry of Jesus. Matthew 15. Tell me what faith is again, the three C's. Faith is confidence in, convinced of, and what? Committed to. Now, let's just stop right here. What if this woman holding her dead child in her arms, thought, well, you know, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. We don't know why these things. What if she had thought, well, you know, I guess the Lord's took him. He needed another angel in the choir or, or something. Or we, we don't know. Would she have done this other? Would she have ran and laid hold like she did? How many understand? She could not have done that unless she was absolutely persuaded that this child should be raised from the dead. Can you see this? If she's entertaining anything else, she wouldn't have acted like this. She wouldn't have done this. Can you see how dangerous it is? Something that most of the church world just embraces with open arms, but how dangerous it is to say it might not be the will of God on things like this. If you don't know, you don't know, but that's why we got a Bible so we can find out. And when you do find out, you need to become fully persuaded, absolutely, totally confident in, absolutely convinced of, absolutely committed to. And when you get like that, You'll get miracles. Do you believe it, friends? Because now you're actually, there's a lot of people talk about faith, but can you see not nearly as many actually get in faith like this? They talk about it, but not, you don't see that kind of persuasion and commitment. And Matthew 15, you see a very similar thing. Matthew 15, <clears throat> verse 20. Two, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried to Jesus, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. He answered her not a word. That could be put you off, couldn't it? His disciples came and besought him and said, Would you send her away? She's crying after us. She's bothering us. And he said, You know, I'm not sent 
to anybody but the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Well, she's a foreigner. She's hearing him say, I'm not sent to these folks. You could have got offended. You could have got your feelings hurt. But is she persuaded of something? Can you see any commitment here? She comes and falls down and worships him and says, Lord, you got to help me. She's unmoved. And he says, you know, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to dogs. That would have been the last straw. <laughs> right, with a lot of, I mean, because, you know, ethnic pride runs deep. A lot of folk would have jumped up and said, dog? Dog? Who are you calling a dog, preacher? I want you to know we Syrophoenicians just as good as you Jews, bless God. Better than a lot of Jews I know. Let me tell you about some Jews I know. And she could have told him off and she could have had her say and left without. What'd she do? What is faith? Faith is confidence. Faith is conviction. Faith is she started down this course to go all the way. She heard people have been delivered and healed in Jesus' ministry, and she made up her mind before she ever went out there. I can have it for my girl too. Right? And she is here for the duration. How I many know you can't run this woman off? Can you see this? No matter what they say, they can ignore her, they can shun her, they can insult her people. And she just right there going, I'm here. You got to help me. You got to help me. Have mercy on me. Well, it ain't for you. It ain't for dogs. She said, yeah, but dogs get crumbs, don't they? I believe a big smile broke across Jesus. He thought, this ain't no stopping this woman, man. Right? He said, oh, woman, what? Great. Is your faith. Be it unto you, even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Come on, I don't know if you understand this. Jesus was not sent to her people. And she got it anyway. Come on, can you see this? <laughs> she reached out into benefits available in our dispensation. She reached out beyond her area, beyond what was afforded her people at that time. And how did she do it? Come on, tell me, how she, how'd she do it? Jesus remarked, woman, you got some faith. How do we see it? Tell me what faith is. Was she confident she could get what she was after? Was she? What if she had been entertaining the idea, well, it might not be the will of God. Well, when he didn't talk to her, that could have been confirmation. And when he said, I'm not sent to your, your folks, that could have been confirmation. Right? This is not right to take the children's bed and throw it to the dogs. That could have certainly been confirmation that this ain't for you. And there's so many people, bless their hearts, so many good church-going people, any little old thing, and they'll decide, well, it might not be the will of the Lord. We just don't know. We gotta have some folks. Come on, with some tenacity, 
like these women that we're reading about here, like this Shunammite, like this Syrophoenician that'll say, hey, I'm after this thing and I ain't going nowhere. Nowhere. I'm here. How many remember the men that came in, the, the four that bore the man that was paralyzed and wanted to get to Jesus? Did they have faith? The Bible said Jesus saw their faith. When did he see it? They couldn't get in the parking lot. They couldn't get in the front door. They couldn't get in the back door. They couldn't get in the side door. How many know that? This guy's, he's, he's bedridden. He's not enjoying all this. <coughs> right? They're lugging him around, toting him in, toting him out. They talk to this usher. They talk to that guy in the parking lot. The place is packed. Can't get anywhere around Jesus. How many people would have gone home? How many people would have said, well, it must not be the will of God. It's just not working out. Must not be for you, brother. I'm sorry. We tried. Faith don't say we tried. Faith says it ain't over. Come on now. Faith says we come to get a healing and we are getting a healing. Oh, come on. Can you see this? How many understand? Then there cannot be, it might not be God's will. That can't be in there. Or you can never have this kind of faith. They looked around. They talked to people. Everybody they talked to said, you know, just go and come back another time. I'm telling you, you can't get to him. Not today. They talked. They looked. Once in a while they looked down and said, Joe, don't worry, man. Don't worry, man. We're going to get you in. They looked side. They looked down. They looked around. And then they looked up. I used to look up. <laughs> there ain't nobody up there. And they climbed up there. I don't know how they got up there. And they drug him. How'd they get him up there? <clears throat> they said, you okay? He's grunting. He said, yeah, I'm all right. Get me up there, man. Get me up. You're going to be okay. Get me up there. And they tore that man's roof off his house. Didn't they? They tore it off. They tore a hole in the man's roof. And they're lowering the guy down. How many understand? He's, 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 you know, confined to that thing. But how many understand? He's grinning while he's coming down. <laughs> he's going, hey, Jesus. And <laughs> was Jesus mad? Did it upset him? If you read the rest of the story, the place was full of Pharisees and Sadducees that were coming to find fault. I think Jesus was thrilled to see this guy. Finally, some faith in the house. He looks at this guy and goes, he, saw, he sees his faith. He sees the other guys, all their four faces are shining down in the middle. Going, hey, he's in there. Is he down? He's down. He's right. He ain't two feet from Jesus. He's right in front of him. All the preachers are getting uh, plaster out of their hair. And, <laughs> and how many understand that guy got up and walked out of there that day? Why are these things recorded for us? You, 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 even though the, the person is different, Situation is a little different. You'll see the same spirit of faith. How many of the woman with the issue of blood? She's weak. 
She's gone through everything. She doesn't feel like being out of the house, but she leaves home. She finds the healing crusade team. She pushes through the crowd. Come on, can you see this? She does not let anything stop her or hold her back. And she keeps saying, if I can just touch, if I can just touch, if I can just touch. And she meant, I'm going to touch. And she pushed her way through. How I many know it wasn't easy? It wasn't easy. And when she did, the power of God flowed out of Jesus into her. He wasn't having a healing meeting. He wasn't praying for the sick. He just walking down the road. And she didn't even ask him if it would be all right if she took a healing. I understand she is not suffering from indecision about if it be thy will. Oh, can you see this? Can you see where most of the church world is falling short? By entertaining this and talking this, it might not be the will of God. We just don't know. You just never know. That is faith-destroying mentality. She pressed through. She touched. She, the Bible said the power flowed out of him into her, and immediately she felt in her body that she was healed. Does God still do things like that today? Hallelujah. You begin to see the spirit of faith, don't you? And you begin to see why so many people don't receive. They're too easily disheartened. They turn loose too quick. They give up so quickly. Any little thing. And they just despair and throw up their hands and go, Well, we tried. Faith doesn't try. I said faith doesn't try. Faith does. And it does until. Because it's persuaded. It's absolutely confident. It's absolutely convinced. It's absolutely committed. My grandmother, as a young woman, I guess this would have been back in the 30s. Uh, Well, she was middle-aged, I guess. But uh, something happened to her eye. I forget the deal. I never, I was not born yet. And something happened to her, her eye. She was a believer. They were, my grandfather gave the land for the first Pentecostal church in that area. They believed, believed in, uh, well, actually, she got filled with the Holy Spirit talking in tongues out in the cotton field, picking cotton. And uh, way back then, they started having services on the pond bank, at a pond out there, and they had uh, uh, Native American people and black people and people from different groups come and get saved. And get filled with the Spirit. Now, this is down in the deep south in the 30s. I understand. This is, this is major. And a, a church came out of that. But during the course of time, she, I don't know exactly what it was, but she, had, she was losing sight and losing that eye. And, uh, you know, people were sick in their homes a lot then. And she was near death. Well, it's wintertime. And she uh, heard of a, a brother named Brother Busby. And uh, he was having healing miracles in his meetings. And they were having a meeting in Meridian. Well, that wouldn't have been two-hour drive nowadays for us, but back then, in the wintertime, with those old skinny-tired, straight-axle cars. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Mud roads. In the wintertime, the ruts would be that deep. Well, they didn't have a decent car they thought would even make the trip. It's cold and, and raining and icy. And, 
And, uh, but she, she convinced all of them <laughs> that if she could get to Brother Busby's meeting, she'd be healed. She, she must have been convincing because my granddad, he wasn't a believer. And, and, you know, he wouldn't have just embarked on something like that. But she convinced him and the other relatives and somebody had a little better car than the other folks. So they got that car and they loaded it up and they struck out. And she was in a bad way. They had her laid in the back and she was suffering and, and they went through the rain and the ice and the mud and it was some kind of ordeal. But she just kept saying, I know if I can get to Brother Busby's meeting, I just know. Does that sound familiar? Anybody? Does that sound familiar? I just know. If I can get to Brother Busby, well, it must have been something strong in her for her to convince everybody around her. And for them to embark on such an arduous trip in the middle of the of winter, but they did. And that little car <laughs> slid off the road, and they got it back on the road. It bogged down, and they got somebody to pull them out. And hour after hour after hour after hour, and eventually they made it. And they hauled her out of the car. And they got her down to the front. And she's convinced. Does it sound familiar? We've, we, you see, faith never changes. She just knew. If I can get to Brother Busby's meeting. She must not be wondering if it might not be the will of God. And she said, when he came, she, her, her head's all bandaged up. She's half dead. She's weak. And she said, when, she, when he stepped up, she said, him and her were instantly in a cloud. She'd never had anything like that happen to her before. And she said there were angels standing all around <laughs> And she didn't have to know what he said or did. But when it was over, she was healed. Oh, glory to God. And raised my dad and he got married and they had me. And Hallelujah. Somebody say, glory to, God. glory to God. I reckon she could have died and me and you wouldn't be looking at each other and a whole lot of things would have gone differently. I'm understand that, that Shunammite son. I reckon he grew up and got married and had kids too, right? I mean, I understand faith can change generations, can't it? So many times people are so quick to just lay down and turn loose and go, well, I guess it wasn't meant to be and we just don't know. Listen, listen. God is good and His Word is good and His will is always life and healing and victory and overcoming and you need being met. Come on, do you believe this? But it takes somebody that'll stand up and lay hold like a bulldog on a bone. Come on. And with tenacity and a grip of faith, say, this is mine. I'm going to be here. I'm not going to quit. Oh, glory to God. It takes somebody with some backbone. It takes somebody with some confidence. Some heart. Hallelujah. That will not be talked out of it. I don't care how many degrees the preacher's got behind his name. 
I don't care how many books they wrote. I don't care who thinks this or that. You found out the will of God. And you will not be denied. And you will not be deterred. And you will not turn loose and cast your confidence away. Can you say glory to God? Glory to God. Say it again. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody.